0: thank you for joining us today with newly awakened ministries
1: hello hello everybody (laughs) we are so excited to have jerry hill with us she is amazing (laughs) oh you're too sweet (laughs) So welcome to Newly Awakened Ministries. I'm Alicia. And um, we are just so excited to have Jerry Hill. And she's just a wonderful, amazing woman of God. Um, she was the wife of the late Steve Hill. Um, for most of you know that Steve Hill was uh, you know, Brownsville revival, and God used him mightily. And um, but aside from from him, from her being his, his wife, she's just amazing all by herself because so, <laughs> of God that lives in her. That's right. Her.
2: That's right. It's all about it's him,
1: <laughs> all about him, but um, let's go ahead and let's just open up in prayer and um, Lord, we thank you Lord for this time together Lord, we just pray, God, that your perfect will would be done. We just give you praise and glory and honor. And Lord, we just pray for our listeners, uh, Lord, today and those who are going to be watching later, God, that you will just speak to their hearts, God, in such a special way. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. Okay. Well, how are you, sister? (laughs)
2: good. And I really enjoyed our conversation last week when we got to know each other a little bit. And the amazing thing that God is doing there in Tennessee with all of you guys and with your children and what God is doing, what your your dad and your mom did, I, I loved getting to hear about all of that. And the church that you guys have been in for all these years mm-hmm. and being and seeing your excitement and hearing your ex- excitement yeah. in your voice is wonderful and you know it doesn't have to g- grow cold and it definitely has not grown cold in you and it's so <laughs> exciting to hear that excitement
1: well thank you i mean i i thoroughly enjoyed our 2 hour conversation <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, you're the real deal. I just, I love, I love, I love everybody, but I love people that just, oh man, you just, ex- Jesus just comes through you and through your voice and you just love, love, love. That's what life is all about. Just loving like Jesus. So, um, let me ask you, sister, what do you want people to know about you? The,
2: Well, probably the number one thing Mm -hmm. is that I was a sinner and I met Jesus. Mm -hmm. And when I met him and I fell in love with him, nothing could pull me away. Not just like when Paul talks about it, you know, he was shipwrecked and this happened and that happened and everything. And, and he stayed faithful. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Faithfully in love with Mm -hmm. Jesus and serving him is what I'm all about. And so probably that's the main thing, you know, that I want everybody to know that when you meet him, Mm -hmm. it keeps growing stronger and stronger and stronger.
1: It's so true. It's so true. And, you know, I just want to, um, add on to that where you know I loved I loved God all my life but back in 1998 like he came and revealed himself to me in such a way that it's like oh I fell in love with him. you yeah. know and so when you fall in love, it just in, consumes you, consumes your ever being and everything you see, you know, if I saw him in the leaves and in the birds and in the trees. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's nothing like falling in love with Jesus. And we're going to, we're, I, I want you to tell your testimony in, in just a little bit, you know, um, but I want to ask you first, um, if people want to partner with you. Um, how and connect with you how can they do that
2: well if they go to togetherintheharvest.com that's the website and they can see everything that we're doing and everything that we're involved in Um, Steve and I started that ministry together in the harvest when we came off of the mission field in Argentina and Uh so with that when he was battling cancer He wanted an online school of evangelism so that we could pass this on, and he was not able to finish that project, and we finished it, and we have 20 lessons in there, so we have our online school of evangelism. There's over 950 that have signed up for it, and they're all over it's not like a, a boot camp or anything because I'm involved in a boot camp as well, evangelism boot camp. Yeah. But this is an online one that people can be raised up so that they can win the people in their community. That's awesome. And, and then um, on Together in the Harvest, we have beam mentorship, which I have my beam class tomorrow. And so I'm going to be talking about ministry gifts operational gifts, motivational gifts Mm -hmm. Uh, tomorrow with about 250 ladies. They can't all get on at one time. And it's like, you're saving this tonight. Mm -hmm. Uh, We save it and we put it in what we call the beam lounge and they can watch it later. And So that's part of that. And then the same year that Steve passed away, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: I lost my son um, in a murder about seven months after Steve, and Mm -hmm. I didn't say why God, in all my tears and, and my weeping from losing Steve and losing Ryan, I, I knew why we live in a fallen world. And so I said, God, what do you want to do with this? Mm -hmm. Tell me what to do. And so we opened up a home called Ryan's Hope and I spoke with my director today, and he said, it's going good. It's men that have been in prison that got saved, and they don't want to go back to their, their old way of life. They want help to get um, established and get a job and advance their lives. And they could stay in our home however long it takes, but generally it's between six, and, six months to a year to get them on their feet with a job and their car and saving up money for an apartment and things like that. And then the other parts of it, I go out evangelizing probably on a daily basis, talking to somebody about Jesus and whether it's on a plane, whether it's shopping somewhere, wherever, because I can't help but talk about the person that I love the most and I loved doing life with Steve. Mm-hmm. And I did not want God to take him home. But do I get a say in things? Not always. And so I say, God, take what I'm going through and show me what to do with it. Show me how to be a light in this dark world. And when I met Steve, I, want, I was involved in evangelism before I met him. Mm-hmm. So in our our lifetime together of close to 35 years, um, that's what we did. We talked to people about Jesus. And so after his home going and he was promoted and he entered into the fullness of God's presence, mm-hmm. uh, I I'm left here walking in God's presence mm-hmm. and I want to be that light. And so I've been asking him to direct my steps, show me what to do so that I can be effective. And somebody went after me, I'm going to go after others and let them know about his
1: love. That's so beautiful. Be so filled with Jesus that you overflow,
0: yes, right? Absolutely. <laughs>
1: overflow everywhere, everywhere. And so let me ask you, um, sister, what has the Lord been speaking to you lately, specifically? Well,
2: I would say that the same message from when I got saved Mm -hmm. to now, the same message is this world is lost and dying. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're going, you know, they're in, it's in destruction. And they might have money. They might think they have all their needs met. They, but they might be empty inside if they don't have, well, they are empty inside if they don't have Jesus. And, So my focus is on that all the time, and even in um, the Christian realm, Mm -hmm. I'm seeing people fall away from God, Mm -hmm. and my goal is to do whatever I can to see them come back into Mm -hmm. fellowship with God, Mm -hmm. and so we can't, we have to work with the world. And we have to work with the Christian world too, because the enemy is out to kill, steal and destroy them. Mm -hmm. And he is destroying those that don't have Christ. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: so growing in him and loving him and helping people stay um, in fellowship with him, Mm -hmm. you know, really encouraging people to not uh, let um temptation and let sin enter into their lives to trip them up and mess them up yeah. and that that is a burden of mine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There.
1: and I, I love that you know and what you were saying about the fellowship is so important you know I hear so many people you know say well I don't have to go to church to be a Christian well I mean no, but what does the Bible say in Psalms? Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. Yeah. And so anyways, I, I love that. And I, can we touch on, um, before you start telling your testimony about where the Lord brought you from and 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 those years with, with your husband and all that. Um, about how the Lord helped you with in your time of grief, um, with the losing of your husband and your son. I know that must have been such a difficult season. And there's so many people that are walking through that mm-hmm. um, that grief, and they, and it's so hard to get over that hump and maybe they find themselves in that despair, you know, maybe for, for years and, and tell us what the key is. Well, (laughs) you know, there's some things that
2: happened to me when, you know, Steve's battle six years with melanoma, metastatic melanoma. And so I walked through that with him. Mm -hmm. And so that was, you know, all the way through, you're anticipating, and you're wanting God to bring total healing, and then with my son, it was a sudden thing, <laughs> wasn't, that wasn't, um I wasn't ready for it, but I've not only lost that part, I've uh, lost three babies um that with um, tubal pregnancies and things like that. So in each one of those things, Mm -hmm. there's a whole different aspect to it. And you see everything differently Mm -hmm. and everybody handles it and has emotions that are involved in it. Mm -hmm. Um, Two months after Steve passed away, I was going through, we have a lot of old antiquey things, um, Mm -hmm. old Christian antique books And so I was going through a spindle library and I, I happened to notice a book Mm -hmm. and it said widow directed two Mm -hmm. months after Steve passed away and God had him and me or whoever, because we did these things together, but we also did them with other people. I believe that that book was selected because God knew that I was going to be going through this.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, widow directed. One of the stories in there was about Ruth and Naomi. And I look, I'm going to, you know, shorten it up just to the part that really impacted me, is that Naomi directed Ruth to glean in a certain field.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then she directed Ruth to lay at the feet of Boaz. And then they get married Skipping all the parts. I'm just telling just a really simple aspect to to the story. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And then they have a child. Well, Naomi was bitter, you know, because of everything she'd been through. She'd lost her husband and two sons.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Ruth had lost her husband. And so they married and they had a child. And that child brought great joy to Naomi. Well, they see... What is right in front of them? This is what they're going through. This is what's happening. But I look back on it, and you can look back on this story and see the lineage that Jesus comes from this lineage. Mm -hmm. And that's the big story. And so when I read that book, I said, Widow directed, God, I want to be directed by you. And when he had me show, when I read that story and the whole book, every story in there was about widows being directed, part of them from the Bible and some of them from um, men and women, the stories that, you know, they went through loss and how God directed their steps. Mm -hmm. And in looking at every single one of them, it was God's big picture in this. And so I said, okay, God, I want to be and continue to be part of your big picture. I might not understand it all. I might not like it. I don't like that my my husband has gone home to be with Jesus. Well, I, I like that he's with Jesus. Okay. But no, I, I don't like that he's not with me. Right, right, you know? right. <laughs> and so that's the selfish side of me. And. And so I want to be and have always wanted to be a part of God's big picture and everything that he had planned and what he wanted to do. And I wanted to be open to that. And when I lost uh, Ryan, um, the same thing happened. It was a couple months later. I'm sitting in the living room, no TV on, and I'm sitting there in the presence of God I said, God, I, in order to go through this, to handle anything, I'm going to need your presence to carry me through. And I'm sitting there in the chair and this thought comes to my mind. I wonder what that second book is. And there was a a stack of old antique books on the shelf, sitting on the side. And, and for some reason it was pointing my attention to the second book in there. Mm -hmm. And I go, I don't really care what the second book is. And then the thought comes again. I wonder what that second book is. And so I, okay, I'm going to go see what that second book is. And I pull out the second book and it says, when you've lost a child. Mm -hmm. And once again, it's all about God's big picture.
1: Yeah.
2: And he's, (laughs) In control. And so it's up to us whether or not we're going to be like Naomi when she was bitter
0: Mm -hmm.
2: or if we're going to let joy come in. And for her, it was this grandchild that brought her great joy. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: But um, my granddaughter, she brought me great joy. She is now seven years old and has brought tremendous joy into my life. But before she came, I had the joy of the Lord. I had the presence of God. He has, has been carrying me through. Yes. And then a couple months later, um, I have this dream. Mm-hmm. And the dream is um, I'm sitting in a small chapel. Mm-hmm. And Steve was coming in from a ministry trip and we were going to renew our vows to each other. Well, he had already gone home to be with the Lord and it had been nine months and I'm in this chapel and I'm there decorating it, waiting for him to come in from this ministry trip. And out in the hallway, there were these about nine foot angel wings Mm. and Steve comes in, and he looks so tired and drained. And he said, honey, come over here and sit down next to me. So I went over and sat down next to him. And he said, I don't have the energy for the future. Mm. And but I see energy in you. And he said, I'm so tired, and I'm so drained. And I looked down at the floor, I didn't like what I was hearing. And when I looked up, Steve was gone from beside me but those angel wings had been put at the end of each pew and they made an arch all the way down the center of this small chapel and I see the angel wings set up there and God speaks to me in the dream and he said your vow is to me and I've got you covered wow and so I know that Um, God wants, you know, I spoke a message last September, it light the fire again in Pensacola. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And it was, are you dead yet? Mm -hmm. Because we are crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live yet. not I, but Christ lives in me and the life, which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Mm -hmm. And so when we are, if we're really, really crucified and we're dead, are we going to let bitterness creep in Mm -hmm. when you're a dead person? Can you be bitter about anything? Can Mm -hmm. you hate anybody? Can you hate God? And so, but it's actually talking about us dying to ourselves, being crucified with Christ Yep. and letting those things you know that creep in that can destroy our relationship with god and with people mm-hmm. and everybody says well i got hurt in the church well they're obviously not dead yet yeah <laughs> because if they were dead they wouldn't have their feelings hurt yeah you would love them if they're they're hurting your feelings you the bible says to love your enemies yeah You know, and if we're dead, we can, (laughs) you know, have victory over all these things. We don't have to let our feelings get hurt. Yes, it's so true. Uh, So I really feel like if we are letting everything really be on the cross, then he's going to carry us through because we are leaning on him to help Mm -hmm. us bring us bring it through that doesn't mean that every day has been perfect. Right. Every single day I have to remind myself that mm-hmm. I have to die. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, <laughs> So good. It's so good. And I love how the Lord, he says, Jesus says, abide in my love. Yes. So that my, my joy can remain in you. Yes. So when we abide in his secret place, when we abide we stay, we continue to live in his love. Then he gives us his joy, not just a joy, but his joy. Yeah. (laughs) And it doesn't always look like, you know, (laughs) but it's that peace that passes all understanding. And And I remember when I was going real quick, I, I remember going through a really, really hard, you know, time in my life. And, um, I remember what the Lord said. He said, you will become whatever you are consumed with.
0: Hmm.
1: You become consumed with me, then you will be like me. Amen. Yes. And another saying I saw somewhere, it says, are you going to continue to live? Are you going to continue your life to be consumed with your own scars or his? Yes. That's right. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> One other thing that
2: he um, shared with me was, um, because when you're crying yeah, um, and people are going to be crying, there's something that he spoke yeah. to me about and he let me cry for a while. And then he said, I want you to turn your tears of loss mm-hmm. into tears for the lost. That's so good. And so when I started thinking about that loss, immediately, I start thinking about the people that don't know Jesus. And I use those tears to pray for somebody is away from Christ. And my mom, she shared something that was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've cut an onion where you cried before, right? Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, she said one time, I'm never going to waste my tears on an onion. And so when the tears start flowing, she started, starts praying over the people on her list.
1: Mm, I love that. It's so good. I thought, mom, you go girl. Yeah, yeah, that is so good. That is so good. And, you know, you were talking about offense too. And um I know like with me, like in the past and the Lord, whenever there's like a negative thought, like would come up to my head, you know, so-and-so was talking about you or this or that, that is my cue, like, that I need to start interceding for that person, and the, what the, the Lord is laying that person on my heart, and the enemy's trying to, like, put negative thoughts or whatever in my mind so that I don't, yes. and yes, and so we turn that, turn that offense into intercession, and um don't be offended you know the word says, don't be offended absolutely if more people would do that i think
2: the enemy would leave them alone yeah is yeah. he uses those <laughs> things to pull us away from god mm-hmm. if we turn it around on him i can i envision the end yeah. of satan going oh man that didn't work the way i wanted it yeah. to <laughs> i want him to be so um frustrated that all of his tactics don't work.
1: <laughs> right. Oh, I love it. It's so good. Yes. So um, if you could briefly share with us what, what the Lord brought you out of and why you are here today. Okay. As, yes. Well, I did
2: not think I was created by God. Mm. And I'm going to go through it really fast. Um, My mom was raped when she was 17 years old, and I was born out of that rape. And she married to give me a dad, but she didn't love him. Two sons were born in that marriage, and by the time I'm four, they're divorced. Then she's a single mom on food stamps, welfare, social services. She's depressed. She sleeps a lot. Um, She is so downcast with the, how her life has gone, mm-hmm. and then she gets down on her knees watching Billy Graham on TV and gives her heart to Jesus.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Somewhere in there, I don't remember what age she said that, it, that she did this, but at age 10, she remarried. Two more sons were born in that marriage, and he was an alcoholic and verbally and physically abusive. And so I was 10 years old. And so for the next eight years, it was um, a hell-filled home. Mm -hmm. My mom trying to be a peacemaker, but it was definitely unequally yoked. And it was not um, the best of circumstances. There were a lot of fighting, yelling, screaming, language, um, drinking and everything. I started drinking when I was 12. Started smoking pot when I was fifteen. We moved from North Dakota to Michigan, and at sixteen, when we first moved there, this pastor came knocking on the door to invite us to church. He get he would get a list of people that moved to the city, and he would um, invite them to the church. He would get that list and go visit them and invite them. Well. I never received him. My stepdad told him that he was on private property and said he was going to call the police on him and stuff. But for the next two years, he never gave up. And every Saturday came to the house, knocking on the door, leaving Teen Challenge tracks, uh, Christian tracks, how to get saved. Um, If I was there, he'd talk to me. Otherwise, he'd write down on a piece of paper, Jerry, Jesus loves you. And has a plan for your life. Mm -hmm. I never responded to him for two years. Mm -hmm. And then um, I end up in jail. I'm 18. We went to church, maybe Easter and Christmas, but my mom would read the Bible to my four younger brothers regularly, about 30 minutes every single day, five days a week. Mm -hmm. I don't think she did it Saturday and Sunday, but on Monday through Friday before they went to school she read the Bible to them and I was rebellious Mm -hmm. and wasn't going to sit, wasn't going to listen to it. And um, so I'm in jail and I have an experience with God where I hear the voice of God and it impacted me, but it didn't change me. And it was my mom. She was fasting for me and she, I heard her cry Mm -hmm. in the jail cell. When I got out of jail, it was exactly the same words that she said while she was fasting, I heard it in jail. Uh, So much, it was so real that I thought she was there to visit me.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And I get out. And when I'm sitting in the living room, talking to my mom about it, my stepdad comes in, in a rampage. And, you know, he's cussing at me. And he's telling me what a, a slime bag I am, you know, just getting out of jail and all of this. And, and, you know, and so then a friend drives up and they say, we want to go to Flint. So I go to Flint. I just take off and don't take any clothes with me. Don't know how long I'm going to be gone. This is back in the seventies, the hippie time, hippie stuff. And as soon as we drive into the town, there's a billboard with John three sixteen on it. And I, you know, for God so loved the world. But what I hear is for I so loved you. I hear that every single time I pass by that billboard. I hear him say that. And I'm like, God, leave me alone. I'm not worth it. I can't change. Leave me alone. And, but he didn't. And then after a week of being there, I go stay somewhere else with some friends. And I have a dream. I think this pastor's praying for me. I think this pastor was in answer to my mom's prayers that he would, he was relentless. That's not give up. And I'm in this, um, in an attic area, sleeping on a mattress up in an attic. Mm -hmm. And I have a dream and Jesus is standing at the foot of the bed and Mm -hmm. his hands are outstretched, blood dripping from his hands. And he said, for you, I died. Mm -hmm. Because see, I didn't believe that he did die for me. I didn't believe that I was made by him. I felt like I was made by the lust of man. So I wasn't made by God to me. And I feel like God had to prove that he felt like he had to do all this to let me know that he did love me. And so if I'm telling you guys this, when you're praying for somebody don't just look at the outward appearance because i wasn't telling anybody that i was hearing god's voice i was hearing my mom's prayers i was having dreams i wasn't giving anybody any any encouragement i <laughs> was working behind the scenes right right and then um i am out in a mobile home out in the country with some other friends all this is all within 6 weeks and they had gone off to work. I was being a bum, no job, just hanging out. And somebody knocks on the door and I answer the door and there's that pastor. He would knock on doors every single day. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just my door. I thought he was just after me Mm -hmm. come to find out. I went and visited him about three years ago, him and his wife, they're in their eighties. And he said, you know, I went and knocked on every door in every city I pastored every single day. So here he was a pastor, but he was evangelizing. And what he did with me got in my DNA. Mm -hmm. Well, he came out there and he said, this morning I was on my knees praying. And I said, God, I'm not giving up on this girl. Where is she? And I went out to do my normal evangelism, door knocking, and here you are. He yeah. said, I'm here to tell you Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life. In my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And we talked for a few minutes, and he leaves. Okay, he never led me in the sinner's prayer, but he was for two years leading me to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so we might not reap the benefits of, you know, evangelizing and reaching out to somebody, but we play a part in leading them to Jesus, even if we don't get to lead them in the sinner's prayer. That's so good. Mm -hmm. When he left, Mm -hmm. I said, God, that is so weird. And Mm -hmm. then God speaks to me again. And he said, if you don't give in to me, I'm going to give up on you. Mm -hmm. And I did not at that moment I did not want God to give up on me. You know how sometimes kids push the parents' buttons yeah. and sometimes the parents push the kids' buttons. You know, we know exactly what to do to get them to, to, to line up to what we want them to do. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I felt like God was doing to me that day,
0: mm-hmm.
2: that he had pushed a button and he said, okay, I'm going to give in to you, give up on you if you don't give in to me. Mm-hmm. Well, I find a phone book and I found the pastor's number. I didn't have it. And I called his house. He wasn't even home yet. And I told his wife, if he can work it out for me to go into teen challenge, I was ready to go. That was on a Thursday. He came by that mobile home mm-hmm. The next day. He called me and he said, teen challenge has a bed and your mom is going to pick you up on Monday and take you to the program. Well, I didn't know what that was going to look like. I didn't know what living for Jesus looked like. I had been a sinner for 18 years of my life. Mm. And when you're doing drugs, everything that just goes in, in on you know, all that, I won't even go into everything. Um, but God, when I went in there, I knew that I was giving up smoking, drinking, drugs, partying, and friends. Mm. And I was starting a new life. My friends heard I was going to go and they tried to talk me out of it. I didn't want to talk to them anymore about it. Um, So I let them think they had talked me out of it. And the next Monday, um, my mom is there knocking on the door. And they were supposed to have left and gone on to work, but their car didn't start. And I'm laying there going, God, why don't you make this easy on me? And he speaks to me again god speaks to sinners okay yes he speaks to sinners he is doing everything he can the the holy spirit is the best evangelism uh, person out there we're just assisting we're working together with holy spirit you know that's we're not in this by ourselves by any means And he said to me, I don't want you to tiptoe out of the world, I want you to walk out boldly. And I'm like, what does that mean? I didn't understand what he was saying to me at all. And I went in the car with my mom with an attitude. She was so excited I was going into the program and I said, Mom, shut up. I'm not saved yet. And. (laughs) And so we talked about everything out there, you know, farmhouses, whatever we were passing, you know, this town, that town, whatever. And I almost didn't stay when I got there. I told them everything on the intake. And I I thought, you know, once they hear all this, they won't want me anyway. So I fill out this whole intake. My mom is in there listening. She doesn't even know the half of what I've been doing And I even had the police bring me home one time and they said, okay, we're going to wait outside and you're going to go in and tell your mom what we caught you doing. And I'm like, what? And then we're going to come in and we're going to confirm what you were doing. But I had to go in and tell my mom first. I'm like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but God had mercy on me. There was a Monday night meeting that night, and the director preached, gave an altar call. I started crying, went down to the altar. For some reason, I didn't go through any withdrawals. The next morning, though, I told the staff, um, I said, okay, I'm saved now, so um, I I don't really need to be here. I can go. I'm good. And (laughs) they said, well, you got to talk to the director before you can go. Well, I had an issue where I hated, I had to deal with some things God had to deal with me with was my hate towards God. I blamed him for my life, my hatred towards men because of, you know, not knowing my biological father, having a stepdad that I, the first one that she married, I didn't even remember him. The second one, you know, it was such a horrible situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then I didn't want to talk to the director. I thought, you know, I don't want to do that. And when I went into the first class and I sat down, my body language was um, of disgust.
0: Mm-hmm. And it was a
2: male teacher in there. And I walked in my street strut. I was like about 100 pounds and I walked in, sat down, slumped into the seat, and he looked at me and he goes, you hate men. Mm. I'm like, what? <laughs> i have not told any, this to anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't tell it to the staff or anything. And he, um, And then he goes into teaching. And I thought, oh, great. So every single day we go into a class, you're going to blurt out what our problem is, you know, in front of everybody. I don't know, but God started dealing with everything and memorizing scripture and getting into the Bible. They, they taught us the Bible from Genesis to revelation, Mm -hmm. and it was a revelation. Mm -hmm. I had never read the Bible in my life. I'd heard stories, snippets here and there. Didn't think you could understand the Bible, Here they are, the teachers walk in, one lady would walk in, and she had been on her knees praying, and then she comes in, and she opens up the word of God, and you knew she had been in the presence of God. It was like she floated down the hallway, Mm -hmm. and I thought, oh my gosh, I want what Sister Helen has. Mm -hmm. I want this relationship with Jesus, and when she'd open up and expound and explain the word of God. Every single one of the teachers were explaining the word of God. And at the end, we'd be down on our knees with our face in the chair, bawling our eyes out Mm -hmm. at what had just been revealed to us through the word of God. And it was unfolding. Mm -hmm. And somebody, I went home on one of my breaks and I think I ran into a friend and they said, you've been brainwashed. And I said, I needed my brainwashed yeah. <laughs> because it was so worldly and so evil and so full of hate and bitterness. I needed all of that washed away. I said, I'm so glad I've been brainwashed. And every single day we had to memorize a scripture. And so 300 and every year it was 365 scriptures And they begin to give me a whole new perspective a whole new way of thinking everything and letting him being, be in control. And on top of that, you got Holy spirit too. And you (laughs) you can be carriers of the presence of God and it transformed me. Mm -hmm. And so when, um, you know, going through Teen Challenge and then working on staff. And then the door opened up for me to go to David Wilkerson's Bible School. And that's where I met Steve. And he, we both got saved in October, 1975. Me in Michigan, him in Alabama. I go into Teen Challenge. He goes to jail. He's facing 25 years in the penitentiary. And I'm like I don't know, six, maybe only four months saved. And I'd been down to the altar praying and God told me to get, I went back to my seat and he said, get back down there and pray. I go, but God, I already prayed. And he goes, get down there and pray now. And so I go, okay, okay, I'm going to go pray. I'm going to go pray. I go down to the altar. And as soon as my knees hit the, the altar, it gushed out of me. And I started weeping for my future husband. I never wanted to get married. I'm going, why am I praying for my future husband when I don't want to get married? (laughs) And that day, I found out when Steve and I were at Bible school, that that day, February 8th of 1976, that his lawyer was meeting with the judge and Jim Summers had talked to the lawyer about Steve being probated into his program and then going on to Teen Challenge. And that the judge wanted to throw the book at Steve. This was the 13th arrest Mm -hmm. and facing 25 years in the penitentiary. And the next day, I prayed for 45 minutes, bawling and squalling, God, whatever it is, whatever you're doing, prepare the way, you know, you're you're opening up something right now. I don't know what it is. God, do it, do it, do it, you know, and um, come to find out the lawyer, you know, is talking to him the next day, Steve standing before the judge and the judge says it's against my better judgment, but I'm going to probate you into teen challenge. And if you mess up, you're going to do your time. You understand me, boy? (laughs) And so I feel like I played a huge part. Jim Summers did it. The lawyer went to bat for him. The judge made the decision, but I was miles
1: away interceding.
2: Mm,
1: I love a power of prayer yes the power yes. of prayer I'm gonna camp on there real quick because when you were talking about when you were in jail and you heard your mom's prayers yes you heard her praying and you were like by yourself you know I feel like that's such an encouragement to to maybe some of our viewers right now or those are going to be watching later that you may have a son or a daughter who is so far from God. And we're just saying, there is hope. You keep praying, you keep interceding for them. We keep interceding and God is so faithful. He's so faithful. So I just, I feel like we need to take a moment and just pray, pray right now. And those who are watching, if you have a wayward son or daughter, you just call out and you just call out in the spirit realm and call them to come home and um would you would you lead us in that yes amen yeah father
2: right now every mother and father who is praying for somebody for one of their daughters or sons but we also want to pray for aunts and uncles and everybody who is praying for somebody to come back to you jesus Father, I pray that you would have your way and that you would move by your spirit and touch their lives Mm -hmm. and that they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are moving in them and you want them. And I pray that you draw them in. But not only that, but God, I pray that the person that is being prayed for would surrender. They'd say, yes, God, have your way in my life. Have your way, change me, transform me, and do your work in me. Touch their lives, God. Whatever it takes, send Holy Spirit. Work supernaturally, speaking to them in dreams, billboards, and other people. Send other people their way, that that they are being worn down right now through prayer, that you are wearing them down. Yes. and they are going to give in to you just like you wore me down wear them down
1: and we commit it into your hands in your name jesus amen thank you jesus wow lord you're so faithful wow he is faithful to perform all that he says yes oh, he promised we thank you lord and wow and i love what you said how you we know that your prayers you know played a big part in um that judge's decision you know and um, how how our ultimate judge moved the heart of that that judge
2: (laughs) you know but it was up to steve when he went into the program he could have uh, played games Mm -hmm. but he let god transform him and i could have played games but i let god transform me and that's so much of a key. Sometimes we think um, that God wants to uh, make us be a certain way. But in all actuality, we have to let God have his way in us. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes they, well, I'll hear people say, well, I gave God a try. Mm. Well, like, what? Yeah. yeah god a try i no yeah. you're not giving god a try you're, you have to say i'm dead to me i'm alive to you you have your way yep. you know change me touch me set me free you know i am set free i am letting this happen
1: <laughs> yeah I, I it's so true i when you were saying how you were so angry with god before you you know, before you came to know him. And I've, I've witnessed to so many people and they're like, God, why, why would a loving God want this and this? Why would he let all of these things happen to me? And I'm, and I'm like, well, okay, first of all, you know, they're blaming him and they don't even like him. They don't like God." I (laughs) I said, but you haven't even placed your lives in your hands. Like you've taken yourself out of his hands Yeah, and he's not there to protect you. Right. I mean, yes, he still speaks to us. You know, when we're far away, his love draws us in. But you've taken your own self out of his protection. And then when you are in his, when you are in his hand, and then when there are things that still come, when there are trials that still come, you know that, okay, I'm still in the palm of his hand and everything that happens is because I can, I can trust that he knows best. Yes. That he that my life is in his hands, yes. and I'm not off over here doing my own thing, and then still blaming him for all these other things when I'm taking myself out. Yes. Yeah, Somebody was talking to me the
2: other day about uh, Paul being put in prison, mm-hmm. and Paul could have um, gotten so upset about being in prison, but instead he utilized that time to write letters to the churches. Yeah, we wouldn't have, that. We have, we have today. What? You mm-hmm. know, if he had been traveling all the time, he probably wouldn't have had time to write those letters. Yep. But now we have those. And so they were saying yeah. to me that even when something bad happens, we can use that to bring honor and glory to God. What the mm-hmm. enemy wants us to do is to get upset about it. Yeah. And you know, just go crazy and haywire. Mm-hmm. But if mm-hmm. we say, okay, now what? I'm in prison. Now what? Yeah. And instead of, oh woe is me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, like the shipwreck, you know, things happen. Yeah. Yeah. they just happen. Yeah. And it's all in how we're going to handle it. Yeah. I want to um I want to handle it, mm-hmm. you know, as a crucified person.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. As best to, to the best of my ability anyway. Yeah, so good.
1: So good. Um I would love for you to uh talk about briefly about um you know tomorrow's Valentine's Day, <laughs> about your, you know, your love story with you and, and Steve, and then just what those years um, looked like and about the power of prayer and um, your role in, 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 in interceding for your husband and covering him in, in prayer and him with you. Yeah.
2: Well, our love story, you know, when you're a drug addict and you're doing these things, you don't have any morals or, you know, conviction about, I mean, there might be there, you know, but then you use drugs to cover it all up. But then when you become a Christian and you're a change transformed person, Steve asked me to marry him um, before we'd ever had a date. <laughs> Before we'd ever held hands, Mm -hmm. we had never kissed Mm
0: -hmm.
2: when he asked me to marry him. And so having that kind of a relationship that we, it was so different from what we'd ever had in the past. Mm -hmm. So it was founded on God had brought us together. I fought it for a while. Um, and prayed against it. I was in my prayer closet from three to five every morning. I bind you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Yeah. This person is distracting me, and I need a—I need victory over this. Yeah. And I'd walk out, and I—I'm in victory. And then I'd see Steve, and my heart would start doing this, and I go, God, you're not listening to me. What is going on? And I, so I go talk to my advisor and I need prayer. I need victory over this. I don't want to say who it is. Don't want to, you know, talk about that. I just needed extra prayer because it wasn't happening. I'd been doing this for two months. And then when I was done, he would not pray for me until I told him who I was having a struggle with. (laughs) And so I, it took 45 minutes before I finally said who it was. And I said, and we've never talked. I've never encouraged him. I've run from this person, but there's something in me I need help with. For some reason, I this is not working. And so I go to lunch, and Steve's coming over and showing me something, and and I'm like, I don't care. I God took my tray, threw it away, walked off, and he goes, comes after me, and he goes, Jerry, what's going on? Yeah, I go, nothing. God can't handle. -hmm. And he goes, Well, tell me what it is so I can be praying for you. I said, You don't have to know what it is to pray. So I didn't even tell him. And he he goes, You're right. He runs down to the dorm. There's a prayer closet down there in the dorm, in the men's dorm. And he went in there and he'd been, when he walked in, he said, Mm -hmm. uh, God told him that I was fighting love for him. Mm -hmm. And so he went and talked to his advisor. And come to find out Steve for two months had been in his prayer closet with his hands raised saying, I thank you for Jerry Larson, that you're going to give me her as my wife mm-hmm. for two months while I'm in my prayer closet going, I bind you Satan in the name of Jesus. Hello. Well, we don't always get what we pray for. Yeah. <laughs> and so when I, the next day he comes up to the office, I was working in the office at at the school there. And he comes in and he's twirling around in the secretarial chair at the other desk. And I'm like, why are you so weird? And he's twirling around. And he goes, they know about us. His their hands are in the air, twirling in this chair. They know about us. And I'm going in my mind, I'm going. What do you mean us? There is no us. <laughs> and he goes that I like you and you like me. <laughs> and. So it was so opposite of what we had ever experienced before Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it was so pure. And um, we went through premarital counseling and everything. And we, I never, you know, how some women, they would, you know, I'm not going to remind him of my birthday. I'm not going to remind him of Valentine's day. I'm not going to remind him of these things. We didn't play that game we anticipated it together. Yeah. We talked about it together. Why set yourself up for, um, a, you know, some kind of fight? Right. You didn't remember it's Valentine's Day. What do you mean you didn't get me some flowers? What do you mean you didn't get me a card? What? what? You know, don't, don't set yourselves up for failure. We would talk about it. And then we did a move one time And we were in this new church. We'd been married about five years. And I'm down in the kitchen working with the ladies about uh, doing something. And they're asking me all these questions. We had just moved there. And they said, um, so tell us about yourself. When's your anniversary and all this stuff? And so I'm telling them some things, you know, birthday, anniversary and all this. and, And one lady goes, well, today is April 7th. Today is your anniversary. I go, today is my anniversary? What? Because of the move and everything, I forgot about our anniversary. He forgot about our anniversary. I go, wait a minute. I'll be right back. I went up to upstairs to where Steve's new office was. And I said, hey, you know what today is. Our anniversary. I just want to give you a hug. <laughs> <laughs> and so sometimes, I mean, when we didn't have any money, mm-hmm. we would go down to a grocery store and we would read all the cards together. Oh. We not afford a card. <laughs> so we would just, here, read this one. This one's funny. Oh, this is so sweet. This, awesome. go, this has been fun, hasn't it? I said, it has been fun. <laughs> and then we'd walk off and we never got a card. That's so
1: funny! I love that. This one applies. No,pe not this one. This one.
2: <laughs> we read probably about twenty cards that day. You know, I can't remember if it was Valentine's Day or an anniversary or whatever. But, um, but it's, you know, instead of hiding it, yeah, anticipate it together.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: What do you want to do? What you know, um, if you don't have any money. Go out and do something, it doesn't cost any money. Right. What the key is, is that you're together. Yep. That's all. Way, each other's presence. Yeah. And so, but we both had the same heartbeat for evangelism. Um, I think me a little bit more in the beginning, um, because when Steve went to David Wilkerson's school, he was in the choir. And the reason he signed up for the choir is because in Teen Challenge, he would travel with the men and sing in churches, and then they would share their testimonies. Well, at my center on Friday and Saturday nights, they put us out on the streets and we evangelized and talked to people about Jesus. And on the weekends, on Sunday mornings, we traveled to the different churches and share our testimonies. But my favorite part was going out on the street and talking to random people, Mm -hmm. and talking to them about Jesus, and I found out that it doesn't have to take two years like it did for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I I was outside a mall one time, and there was this dentist. He walked Mm -hmm. up, and I'm handing him a track. He goes, don't just hand it to me. Tell me what it means to you. I'm like, Oh, you're, this is great. So for the next 45 minutes, I share my testimony with him. And then he goes, okay, great. Thank you. And he walks off. And, but in my mind, I'm sitting there watching him walk away thinking, should I call him back? Should I pray for him? You know, what do I do? Because I'd only been saved two months and I was out evangelizing. And that following Monday, he comes to the center and he, they did testimonies and he stood up and testified. And he said, I was outside this mall. Somebody hands me the track. She shares with me what Jesus means to her. And when I'm walking away, I'm going, God, I want what she has. Mm-hmm. And I'm here in this meeting to let you know. I went, he had me stand up and he said, I want you to know I got what you have. Oh, I love it. <laughs> when he gave his heart to Jesus, I didn't have to pray for him. He did it. Yeah,. And so when Steve and I met, mm-hmm. and we're walking along doing ministry side by side, and I'm working at the the women's Center. He's working at the men's Center, and we're walking like this. And then when we get married and we become, we're still working there, and um, I get a secular job and and because they said well and just a lot of things involved in why and I started evangelizing at my job and sharing Jesus with those people Steve was doing his thing over here but we were walking side by side and then we moved to a church and we We are evangelizing and we're youth pastors. We're leading. We start out with six kids and 10 months later, there's over a hundred because we're out evangelizing. Then we move to another church and we start out with about 30 kids and we're evangelizing together. And that's where we forgot our anniversary (laughs) is that second church. And then we um, go to Mexico And we feel like God's calling us to missions. And we'd never thought about becoming missionaries. Mm -hmm. And we start the process and we go through language school. We raise our funds. We go to Argentina. We plant eight churches all through evangelism. Mm -hmm. Out on the streets, praying with people, talking to them. I was, I loved it. And then Mm -hmm. Steve is He'd go into um, a train, you know, where you ride the trains down there. So it's enclosed. These people are a captive audience. Mm -hmm. And he gets up and talks and shares his testimony. And I'm handing out tracks. And I'm like, this is awesome. And then as time goes on in Argentina, um, it was in 91. Steve is in the office laying down, praying And he said, God, I know how to do this and this and this. And he's naming all these things. And then something bellows out of him as I'm walking in. And he goes, but God, I don't want to do it in my own strength. I want you to do it through me. I felt like the Holy Spirit just punched me in the gut. And I'm doubling over. But I don't want to interrupt Steve praying. So I go and sit down on the stairs And I start flailing my arms. I'm bawling, going, yes, God, do it through him, Jesus. Do it, Jesus. Do it, Jesus. And then we have a four-year-old and a newborn. She's about six months old. And I'm not able to do as much anymore. Once you get kids, you're not able to do as much. And so I started praying, but I still wanted the same thing to happen. I wanted people to come to Jesus, whether it was me doing it or not. I felt and God was showing me that um, even if I wasn't there, that if I was interceding, I was there. And he used um, the following year in 92. Did I share this story with you about the mice?
1: Yes. In fact, I was just
2: about to ask you if you could share it. I was just about to say. Okay. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> and so here I had to stay back in the States with Shelby because I didn't, she didn't have her passport yet. She was a year old now. And Steve went on with Ryan. I, that's, this is the the thing, some things that God had to change in me. You can't manipulate God. Okay. I thought everything would go so much quicker if Ryan was with daddy and that God would know that he had to work out everything really fast to get me there you know, and in, it took six weeks. And so it took about uh, 10 days to get her passport. And then she gets the chicken pox, and I have to stay in the States. I can't get a ticket until her chickenpox are done. And, and so um, <clears throat> she's in her crib crying, screaming. And I was in the living room, reading my Bible and eating some licorice on the floor and I go in and I pick her up she's clawing at me to get out and I I pick her up I go and turn off all the lights I lay her down with me to calm calm her down and she goes to sleep well the next morning the licorice bag had been attacked by mice and so I called um, the maintenance people, they came and set up four traps. The next morning there's four mice. They come over and clean them out, set them again, four more mice, come out and clean them up, set up another four mice. Mm-hmm. And so I'm now it's getting close to when we can get the ticket to go. Yeah. And I'm cleaning up the, uh, the place where I'm staying and I find all these mice droppings on her crib. And she would not go back in her crib. Mm-hmm. And then I see him on the bed where Ryan used to sleep. And all of a sudden I'm thinking these mice were crawling on her, chewing on her chicken puck sores. It freaked me out. I was beside myself. Well, Steve being in Spain, we weren't talking every single day. We didn't have the money to talk every single day. But he called that night and he um, I just real quickly kind of shared about the mice. And then he's talking, he changes the subject and he's talking about Spain and nobody's getting saved. God's not moving. And not one person had come to Jesus yet mm-hmm. in six weeks or about four weeks, I guess, before I got to go. And then um, all of a sudden I'm upset. And he goes, well, honey, and I'm back on the mice story. And he goes, I said, I just am envisioning these mice were crawling on Shelby and she's just a year old and chewing on their chicken pox sores. It just had me devastated Mm -hmm. and it just overtook me. And he said, honey, get a grip. (laughs) And I went, I hung up that phone. Yeah. And he calls me back and he said, okay, please tell me that we got disconnected and you didn't just hang up on me. You don't care that our baby's being chewed on my mice. But I'm just a basket case. And so he's, he goes, oh, okay, okay. I, he realizes he's got to calm me down. And by the time we're done on the conversation, everything's fine. Well, I've been reading one of Leonard Ravenhill's books I go out into the living room and where I put the bookmark, I open it up right there. And the first line I read is some of you are hunting mice while the lion devours the land. Oh, my gosh. It was like a a bucket of ice water. It just revealed. And there was a revelation that came on me and I fell out of the chair. I didn't read any more. I fell out of the chair, I'm repenting, I'm crying out to God, I'm saying, I am so sorry, I've been distracted with the passport, with the chicken pox, with the mice, and I get all that cleared away, and then all of a sudden, I let this um, intercession wailing come out of me for Spain, and for the next two hours, I am bawling my eyes out, mm-hmm. and after two hours of crying, I get a call from Leonard and Martha, they have two landlines in their house and they could talk on the, at the same time. And Leonard called and he said, Jerry, how are you doing? I said, I'm, let me tell you what just happened. And I'm talking about the mice, his story and the line in the book and everything. And he goes, and this revelation and this intercession that took place and everything, And he goes, oh, it wouldn't even have touched you if you hadn't been hunting mice. And Martha (laughs) on the other line, she goes, Lynn, don't discredit what God is doing in her. And he goes, yes, yes, yes. I'm so sorry. Yes, yes. (laughs) And then about eight hours later, because this was late at night, the next day for me, and it was later in the day for Steve, because he was in Spain. He called me and he said, all heaven came down. And he said, I've been preaching. Nobody was getting saved. And I cried out and I said, God, where are you? And I dropped the mic and Ryan is standing next to me, picks up the mic and tries to give it back to me. And I hear God say, I'm right over there. And I immediately see this man with his hands covering his face and he said, what's going on with you? He goes, I don't know, but it's scary what you're talking about. And I, I can feel it. I don't know what to do with this. And I, it's like there's this presence all over me. And his hands are covering his face like this. He goes, who else feels like this? And all these other hands go up, over 100 people. All their hands go up. They felt it the presence of God came in and they didn't understand it, but they wanted it, but it was petrifying. Mm-hmm. And they all gave their hearts to Jesus. Oh, Steve, said, Steve said it was so intense that even he thought, what in the world just happened? Mm-hmm. And he runs off to the other side of the park, sat down on a bench and he goes, God, what was that? and all these people gave their heart to Jesus he said it was like you were you had entered into a realm of god mm-hmm. that he had never experienced before mm-hmm. and god wants to bring us and be willing for us to be used mm-hmm. in that way mm-hmm. and it it just opened up more of god from from the time we got saved, it was a little more, a little more, a little more. And then all of a sudden, this was like explosive.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it kept getting more and more and more intense mm-hmm. to where um everywhere, every church he went into, God was moving, God was touching. And he was literally answering Steve's prayer. God, I don't want to do it in my own strength. I want you to do it through me. And I was not jealous. I wanted God to have his way. Mm -hmm. Whatever that looked like, I was, I I did a message one time, said, I'm a yes girl. Mm -hmm. You know, when it comes to God, yes, God. Whatever you want to do, God. Whatever country you want us to go to, whatever Steve has to do, whatever you want me to do, whatever, I am on board with you, God.
0: Yeah,
2: and then you know when it comes to metastatic melanoma, mm-hmm. um, I had to be on board with that too, mm-hmm. and not resent it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And know that regardless, there's a, a scripture in Revelation. Um, let's see if I have. Um, let's see if I can find it real quick. Mm-hmm. I, it, this was in December. I read this, this scripture and I think this is it. Yeah. I wrote it down because it really impacted me. And so we should not ever get to the place where we know it all. Right. We put It all down. And this was in the new living translation when I heard it and it revelation 13, nine through 10. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Anyone who is desired, designed, or destined, it says, destined for prison will be taken to prison. Mm-hmm. Who wants that? Yeah. yeah. Anyone destined to die by the sword will die by the sword. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. What? This scripture was like blowing my mind. Mm-hmm. And then it says, this means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently and remain faithful. So whatever you go through, metastatic melanoma, be patient and faithful through it. He, this was destined.
1: Mm, think about it. Think about it.
2: And we have to be patient and faithful. And Steve told me one time. We served each other. In Bible school, they told us it's not 50 50. Mm -hmm. It's 100 0. Mm -hmm. You give 100%, expecting nothing in return.
1: Yeah.
2: You don't, if you have expectations and you're disappointed, then that's where the problem comes in. But if you throw all the expectations away and you're grateful for what you get, That's the 100 zero. I give 100% expecting nothing in return so that I'm grateful for what I do get. Well, Steve blew my mind. He was over the top. But see, the benefit in this is I heard it in Bible school. So did he. So he would give 100% and expect nothing in return. So he wasn't disappointed in me. (laughs) (laughs) i think that was our valentine um commitment to each other Mm -hmm. and when he'd come home from you know work or whatever or a trip Mm -hmm. uh, i didn't want the dog to be the first one to greet him yeah i I wanted to be there (laughs) I wanted to be, daddy's home, you know, and just run to the door and get all excited, you know, so that he looked forward to coming home. If he heard me be a, a drip in the corner, oh, man, why do you have to travel so much? Why do you have to go do that? Why can't you just be with us? You know, if that's what we sound like, what man wants to come home to me? right. <laughs> Right. (laughs) If all he's going to hear is my complaining, like that drip in the corner. No, I wanted, I, I put, I wanted to put into practice all of the word of God. Mm -hmm. And so if I had something that was bothering me, Mm -hmm. I didn't take it to Steve. I took Mm -hmm. it to God. So good. Because Steve was not my answer. God was my answer. Mm -hmm. And if you know, I needed to deal with things between me and God. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to be happy mm-hmm. and rejoicing with Steve. And so taking care of him and being by his side for those six years were just as important as the Brownsville revival. Just as important as the yeah. mission field.
0: Yeah.
2: And how I handled it patiently and faithfully. And Steve said to me one time, he said, if the role had been reversed and you had cancer and, and I was healthy, he goes, I don't know that I could take care of you the way you take care of me. And I said, well, that's because honey, you have a gift of delegation. (laughs) You would find somebody to help me. (laughs) We all have our different you know, ways of doing it. And he would have found the best person to take care of me. He might not have been able to do what I did for him, but he would have made sure it got done. (laughs) (laughs) And so we have to be patient and we have to be faithful in whatever it is we go through and whatever God has in store for us and whatever you know in this this fallen world the things that we're going to experience when i lost my son i had to be patient and faithful and i had to you know we opened up ryan's hope after that and seeing these lives changed and being a part of god's big picture even whether it's a, a big piece of it his big picture includes everybody who is willing to die to themselves and do the will of God. We're all a part of his big picture. And so being patient and faithful is what he wants from us, I believe.
1: Yes. So good. That's so good. Um, with the Brian, uh, with Ryan, I have a Ryan too, by the way. <laughs> i have four sons and my second son is named ryan but um anyways with the ryan's hope um can anybody um you know get into that program or well if they're on
2: drugs we will find a program that they can go to so we we're helping women and men get off the streets just like steve and i were helped And so we can find a program for them. But Ryan's hope is the next stage so that they don't have to go back to their old stomping grounds, Mm -hmm. but they can go someplace safe and live, get a job, um, save, get their own apartment. You know, it might take a while to do that, but that's what Ryan's hope is for. And but Together in the Harvest and Ryan's Hope, will. Um, e- we even will do our best to get somebody, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's a bus fare, plane ticket, whatever, to get into a program. We will do whatever it takes to get them there.
1: Now, and, is there a place on your um, website to where they can go to and uh, like fill out an application? Or how does that work? Well, there's a telephone number, and if they they, they
2: can find the telephone number there on the website. They can also put in, um, you know, send an email and there is, you know, the telephone number it's extension 2 it'll go directly to Brian. And, but I I'm in the process of helping women get into the, into a program. So I'm, we're all involved in doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, together in the harvest, that's more of our, Um, beneficial, you know, our benevolent program, I should say, in helping these men get off, um, get on their feet is really what we do. And so they live in a safe place and somebody's overseeing them. We have a program manager that's over them. And Brian is the director, that's Steve's cousin. He and his wife are there and they are constantly overseeing the guys and helping them with their jobs, transporting them until they get their own vehicle. Mm-hmm. You know, because if they, they need help to get on their feet. And so some teen challenge programs have um, a reentry program like that as well. Mm-hmm. And so we work, we, we get people from teen challenge or from the prison. But they generally are already clean from drugs for a while.
1: Mm -hmm. And
2: um, if they're not and they're still on drugs, then we'll find a program that they can go into to get off drugs.
1: That's awesome. Wow. I'm so (laughs) glad that you do that. And um, do you ever go to places and actually talk about that? I do. I travel and I
2: minister. Um, In a couple of weeks, I'll be up in North Carolina um
1: so yeah i do uh, travel and do that too and they just go to your website and um in, if they want if a church or a organization or whatever they want to invite you yep there's an invite
2: form on the the website togetherintheharvest.com and they can fill that out and then we'll see if it we can sync it in with the the calendar and everything Sounds awesome.
1: We are going to, um, is there anything else um, that you want to share or that you feel like you need to say? Well, I feel like if,
2: if there's somebody watching that you're away from God, that God wants to bring you back into fellowship with him first and foremost. And if you feel inadequate, the enemy wants you to think that way that if you're not doing something for God and you're not talking to people about Jesus and the enemy is telling you like Moses, God was telling Moses to help people get out of bondage, get the Israelites out of bondage, but God, I can't talk. I can't do this. I can't, you know, don't look for excuses. If you, he he had a team player, you know, his brother comes on board. Okay. You can have your brother. You both do this. And so whatever it takes, be a part of it. But it wasn't Aaron that got elevated because he could speak. It was Moses that was to do it. And so we are always in our nature looking for things that are, um, you know, excuses to why we don't do something, Mm. but let's throw all the excuses out the window And so much more would be done if every single one of us would push past all of the excuses and do. Yeah,
1: so good. So good, Jerry. Um, We're gonna go into a time of prayer. And if there's anybody watching um, that you would like for us um, and Jerry to pray for you, if you want Jerry to pray for you, um, you can go ahead and just write in the comments right now. And um, um, or we could just pray for whatever the Lord leads on your heart. Um man. Yeah. Yeah. Um
2: I probably should have told my assistant to put this on my Facebook page.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was just thinking the same thing. Like we have it through the newly awakens. I, th- I thought, oh my, I should have shared it to my own personal page or maybe <laughs> I mean, but we
2: can't, it, it can be done now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um, I tell you what, why don't we just go ahead and pray and then whatever the Lord lays on your heart, sis. Amen.
2: Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, so much for your presence. Thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. God, we don't want to stay the same. We do not want to hold on to anything in this life that is going to pull us away from you and destroy relationships with people around us. God, we don't want any of that. And if anybody is out there and you are going through something that is, so difficult please know that you can have that relationship with jesus god you are there for them and i pray god that they would say yes to you that they would let you have your way in their lives god that you'll move deep in them work in their their thought life pushing away washing it away by the water of the word. And as we meditate on your word, your word will wash our mind and cleanse us from all the things that plague us.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And we'd have to lean on that. God, I have to lean on that every single day. I need your touch. I need your spirit. I need you to move. Oh God. And Jesus, I pray that for anybody who's listening. God, mm-hmm. that you would pour out your spirit. Jesus, touch them. God, that they'd fall on their face and they'd go after you. That they would seek you and that they would find you when they search for you with all their heart. God, that something will be inside of them, that they will be going after you, God. Yes. That they'll be knocking on that door. Do mm-hmm. it, Jesus do it, Jesus. Yes, God. Touch them, Jesus. Touch their lives, Lord Jesus. And I thank you for it. Thank you, Jesus. And if you don't know him, give your life to him and say, God, I give you everything. Mm. Cleanse, wash. Mm. You died on the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins. And all of those things can be washed away every prodigal that has walked away from you God that you'll draw them back in that they'll know that there's no excuses nothing that they can hold on to that all the hurts let all the hurts go and say God wash
1: me from everything in your name Jesus amen amen and um I feel like while you were um Uh, I feel like maybe there's somebody that's that's watching maybe there's some that maybe they're 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 shut-ins or you know they're not able to get out Um, physically maybe you're sick or or maybe there's you know you've been in an accident or or something is is going on but but the power of your prayers what she was talking about you don't have to be Right there with you know another person to you know that your prayers can can af- affect the them and their and the, the heavenlies you know so the power of prayer if you're not able to get out and go to church you know be praying and interceding you know um, and just know that you're so important and God just wants you to know that you are so vital in the kingdom of God that you are not, you're not unimportant, that what's your role, your role is so vital in this, in this day and age. God has called you to, to be that intercessor and then change things in the atmosphere, change people's hearts, right where you're at, right where you're at. And so many times we, we just, we, like she says, we can get distracted with all of these, with life, We can just, you know, and there were legitimate things of the mice and the kids and all of these things, but God is saying, "Look, keep your eyes fixed on Me. We set our minds on things above and not on things of this earth. We set our affection on You, Jesus. We set our eyes and our affection on You, and so all of these distractions." We put aside, and we fixate our eyes and our on on the one who is worthy of yes. our attention. Yes. yes, thank you, Jesus. Yes, thank you, Lord. Wow, I feel His presence so sweet. Don't you? <laughs> it's so sweet. I thank you, sis. Thank you so much for for coming and and taking your time. And sharing with us today, sharing from your heart. And I just we appreciate you. We love you. And um your the the website, we're gonna have it in the description. Um and um uh and we're also gonna be putting this on YouTube. And so yes, and um, so again, togetherintheharvest.com, correct?
2: yes everything will be there yes <laughs> um, and and it i encourage messages we've got um over 300 of his messages that we're uploading to the website and instead of selling um dvds which we have some of those available but they can have access if they partner with us they have access to all of those messages. And so many people use those messages like in Bible schools, Mm -hmm. um, overseas and in house meetings and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm hearing of people just now hearing about Steve and giving their heart to Jesus. And that's, that's a legacy that is carried on. And I love that.
1: That's, that's so beautiful. Wow. Um, And so I encourage you, I encourage you ladies, get on this website and um, let her mentor you with beam, correct? And that's, that's who you are. You just beam, you just (laughs) beam, what what an appropriate, you you beam with the love and the light of Jesus. Well, and
2: and the reason we came up with beam, um, it's, we have to have a beam relationship with God. mm -hmm. And then life is a balancing beam. And then our body, our life is a temple. And boy, we'd be pretty, um, uh, if we didn't have any beams, we'd be just, uh, you know, kind of slouched. So we need our inner beam to be strengthened as well. And then putting everything into practice. And so um, I love, beam stands for bestow, edify, adorn, and then we have a mandate. So let's not just get all filled up and then we don't share it.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Jesus. And thank you. And I appreciate you so much. And I just I love you, and I Jerry, love you, too. It's been a joy getting to know you. Oh, it's been such a joy getting to know you, and I'm looking forward to getting to know you more. <laughs> and, and, um, all right. Well, um, God bless you, everyone. And I know, without a doubt, that that this has um, spoken to you, and that this has ministered. Um, to you and uh, remember remember don't stop praying Mm. don't stop believing don't stop believing for for your your children for your loved ones for your family there is hope yes there is hope no matter how hopeless the situation looks no matter how hopeless and how no matter how far they are God is just drawing them, he and he's speaking to their hearts, just like she said, just like she said, she was in her jail cell, she heard her mother's voice, she heard her mother praying for her, so come on, mamas, yes. don't stop praying, don't stop praying, we're pray for our babies, and they will, even if they're 30-something, 40 years, you know, they're coming home, they're coming home. Yeah, Holy Spirit will draw them. So we bless you, Jesus. I bless you. And um, if you thank you for listening to this week's Fuel the Flame from Newly Awakened
2: Ministries. You can follow Newly Awakened Ministries on Facebook and Instagram. You can also connect with us through newlyawakenedministries.com.